just give him some love, can we? Yeah, stick that in your pocket. Stick it in your pocket. Go. Okay. Well, Mabukashani. That means good morning in Lamba. Yeah. So, Mabukashani. Uh, um, and then you would say, Nabuka Bueno. Nabuka Bueno. There you go. Yeah, Nabuka Bueno. It's almost like, well, it's Bueno. You know how you say Bueno in uh, in Spanish? Bueno. In, in Lamba, it's Bueno. It's almost similar. Very similar. So, uh, but that's the, the language that we are ministering to mostly. There's also uh, the country that we're in is uh, has 72 different dialects of languages and so but where we live there's Bimba and Lamba so that's how you would say and greet and so I would like to say real quick too uh, good morning from and greetings from those in Zambia uh, and you know to us that might just seem like okay good morning but to them they're very sincere and greetings in the mornings and greetings and friendships and family is very important in the country of Zambia. So like for example when I would go out, sometimes we Americans are all about business, right? We're just like, as soon as we see you, hey, good morning, hey, let's get to work, right? Well, there, there's times before in the morning where I've been that way and they just stop and they'd say, Brian, you have not greeted me this morning. You know? <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to slow down a little bit. Um, but that's their culture. It's a very social, family-oriented culture. And it's the way the United States used to be, too, I think, probably. But we've grown out of that. So so we. my name is uh, Brian. This is Tammy. We are missionaries as Zambia Africans. So what I'm going to do this morning is just kind of give you... Um, I think it's interesting that the name of this class is Journey. Because that's where I'm going to take you down through. I'm going to take you down through the journey of my walk uh, of where God started with my life and where he got us into Zambia and then hopefully at the end we're going to be able to share um, with you all uh, or you guys can I'm sorry ask questions if you have any questions and um, and so I got saved about 20 years ago it was 20 years ago this year in the month of November or I'm sorry of last year November and um, I'm a former drug addict I'm a former alcoholic methamphetamine was my choice cocaine was my choice and um, and but I was an alcoholic and when I met Jesus I really met Jesus and um, I accept I thought I accepted Christ a long time ago when I was a kid because I said a prayer um, but the difference is and, and I could take you down some some roads here but for sake of time the difference was was there was no change in my life um, I remember after I said the prayer I went home and a friend knocked on the door and he said hey uh, uh, where you been I said I was at church camp and he goes oh, okay he goes uh, you want to go smoke some cigarettes and I said sure let's go so I went and started smoking and there was absolutely no conviction in my life you see and so there was no change and so all this time because I said this prayer I thought I was saved and and then in November 14 1999 um, I was a drug addict at the time and I met a friend by the name of Paul Wolf who through a series of circumstances of going to work for him uh, he ministered to me and then I accepted Christ November 14 1999 and Literally, the difference from when I was a child to then was there was change. Literally, immediately, the drugs was gone. The alcohol was gone. Um, I dove into the Word. The Word dove into me. He had me, and there was no turning back. There was no change, changing back, going back to that old life, you know. I met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He saved, not only saved my soul, but He cleaned my life. He changed my life. He gave me purpose and direction. And I was a firefighter for some time when I was younger. 
back in the early 90s. And so I thought that I might um, go back to firefighting right after I got saved and stuff. That was uh, that was my earthly desire, if you would, when it comes to vocation. And, uh, you know, the neat thing about it is I wasn't, this just popped in my head and you don't have to go there. But um, I wanted to possibly go back to do that. But God redirected me, brought Tammy into my life and, and, uh, and, and just showed me that that's not what he had. But one thing he showed me in Jude, verse 22, verse 23, it says, And some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So I'm still a firefighter. You see what I'm saying? I'm just a spiritual firefighter. My job is to go in and to share the gospel with people. And I'm still pulling. Now, I can honestly say, too, when I was a firefighter this side of eternity, I never pulled anybody out of the flames, okay? I did fight some fires, but I never pulled anybody out of flames. But God was just using this to show me that that that's still my responsibility. You know, the, the responsibility of a firefighter is to uh, protect and save lives and protect property. And uh, as a Christian, that's our responsibility is really to, to protect and save lives, you know, and eternal lives. And so anyway, so the neat thing about what God did in my life was um, less than a year after my salvation, I went on the mission field. Um, I went to the country of El Salvador. And it was when I was in Salvador in 2000, we went to San, uh, San Miguel. And it was when I was on that mission field that, uh, that God got a hold of my heart and gave me a heart for missions. He gave me a heart for His Word. He gave me heart for people. And I knew when I came back that... God was going to do something in my life when it come to that, but I was still so young, I did not know. I was I had just gotten involved in discipleship. I'd been going through discipleship, um, and when I came back, actually, my wife and I were on that trip together. We were single at the time. We weren't married. You know, I can still picture ministering with her on the corner in San Miguel and just handing out tracts and stuff. And God started knitting our hearts together in San Miguel. It's an amazing thing, and so. In 2002, we ended up getting married, um, and I went back to El Salvador in 2002. Um, 2003, we had our son, Titus. He's over with the youth right now. And so I can start taking you down this journey where... It kind of leads us to where we're at today because in 2002, I went back to El Salvador. Um, in 2000, and uh, I remember in 2003 is when God got a hold of my heart at a Bible conference that he wanted me to be in vocational ministry. And so I started, I uh, went to my pastor and he, he agreed that we need to start going this direction. So in 2004, I entered Shepherd School of Ministry at KCBT and I graduated there in 2008. But during this time, in 2005, I went on the mission field again to Nicaragua. Um, And in 2006, when I came back in 2006, at our World Outreach Conference, I really felt that through a man by the name of Steve Kearns, a missionary to El Salvador, he was speaking at our church, and I really believed that he called called me to foreign missions. And I really thought he had called me to Central America. And, um, and so I went in and I talked with my pastor and he said, uh, 
um, Rick Johnson at the time, and he said, uh, well, that's great. God is doing this, but what's God doing in your life right now? And I thought, well, that's a silly question because this is what God's doing in my life. He's called me to be a missionary. Well, from that point, missions was over. I never heard anything more from missions. And so what God laid upon my heart, he quickly took away, and and I grew frustrated. And uh, not really frustrated, but just questioning, like, Lord, why would you lay this on my heart and then take it away? So at this time in 2007, uh, time is continuing on. In 2007, um, my wife and I, we were teaching children at the time. And, uh, and so I was invited to go to a trip to Mexico, Meta to Mexico. And, um, we went down there and long story short, on the way back, I understood my pastor's question. What is God doing in your life now? And so it was at that time that God really laid on my heart. He wanted me to start investing into children and start ministering to children. And so that's what we did when we got back. We dove 100% in and started ministering to children. Um, and uh, the neat thing about it is, is Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Well, what that verse, I believe, is saying is, is that when you delight yourself in the Lord, when you give your life to Him and you're allowing Him to mold and shape you into the very image of Jesus Christ, He will give you desires. That means he, His desires will become your desires. He gives you the desires of His heart. So when you embrace those, those desires become yours. So the two that God really laid up on my heart was foreign missions and children. And so when we came back, I was like, this is beautiful. We, we dove into ministering to kids. And, and the neat thing about it is, is in 2008, I had the tie, opportunity to go to Guatemala. Also during this time in 2007, Tammy had the opportunity to go to Amsterdam, Holland. Okay, so so we're all doing these mission things, right? And so the neat thing about 2008 when I went to Guatemala was we went down there and I got to minister to children. That was my focus of VBS down there. So in 2009, we went back to Guatemala and we had a VBS and discipleship and it was wonderful. You know, God was really just doing a, a mighty work in, in our lives and allowing me just to do what I enjoyed doing, right? And so um, with all of this, you guys can kind of see that the focus of my missions was Central America. That's where our focus was. And so um, I could take you down a few other journeys, but I can tell you right there that it all changed in 2011. Mm-hmm. In 2011, I was reading through Scripture, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly, I believe that this was before Bobby Bonner and John Sarah came, but God gave me these verses, and it was in Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2, it says, God be merciful unto us, and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us, Selah. Then it says, that thy way may be known upon all the earth, Thy saving health among all nations. This is the verse that God used to really start directing me towards Zambia, and I didn't even realize it. And in 2011, uh, a missionary by the name of John Sarah and a missionary by the name of Bobby Bonner came to our church, and they were ministering, and they were telling us about the country of Zambia. And what had happened was, it was I remember right where I was sitting, you know, I was comfortable. I was in a place of comfort. 
things were going well. Um, I was hired on as di- children's director in 2008, so I'm the children's director of our ch- of the, uh, at our church, and we're ministering to kids on a weekly basis, and we have the opportunity still to go on foreign missions. And and I committed myself that I, I, I committed myself a long time ago. God, wherever you have me, I will look at that as where I will die. And the reason it, for that is because my my concern was I didn't want to look at each step of my walk as a stepping stone. I wanted to look at it as, God, if this is where you have me for the rest of my life, this is where I'm content with. If you want me to be a children's minister as a director or, and just teach kids for the rest of my life, man, if, if I can mold and help mold and shape the minds of children and let them help lead them to know Christ as their Savior, man, that's what's better than that, you know? And so, so I was content. I was committed to the children's ministry. And then in 2011, when God brought these two men, it all changed. And uh, I remember right where I was sitting at our World Outreach Conference, and uh, right when God said, okay, Brian, it's time, but you're not going to Central America. I want you to go to Zambia. Hmm. And it really shocked me because I had no desire to go to Africa. I didn't want to go to Africa. In 2005 and 2006, our church sent a teams to Africa, but I didn't sign up because it wasn't Central America, right? I didn't sign up. I wanted to be in Central America. But God taught me through this whole journey that that a burden does not constitute a call. You can have a burden for people, but it doesn't mean that you're called to those people. Um, Paul the Apostle had a burden for the children of Israel, but he was called to the Gentiles. Didn't mean that he didn't stop ministering to the children of Israel. He continued to minister to the children of Israel, but his main call calling was to the Gentiles, right? And so, I still have a heart for those in Central America. I really do. Uh, but I do know that God has called me to Africa. So, I went and I spoke with my pastor. And he was surprised. I spoke with our missions pastor. He was surprised. There was only one man who wasn't surprised. And God laid upon his heart the same day that I would be in Africa. And so in 2000, my pastor said, well, next year in 2012, we have a team that's scheduled to go to Africa. If this is something that God is doing, you need to be on this trip. So in 2012, I jumped on the trip with a team. And we once again, my my role was VBS, working with the kids, right? And and, um, and so with that, we went over as a team, but nobody on the team knew that I had a second reason for going. I went not only to fulfill the mission as a team, but I also went to see what God was doing in our lives. And while I was over there, God just confirmed that this is where I was supposed to be uh, through the preaching and teaching and the word of God, um, even through the people. Um, I did not know this, but when we got done, um, some of the nationals came up to the leadership that was there and says, we want this man to come. We want him to be a missionary here. And I had no idea. And nobody told me that. It's probably a good thing. You know, I don't want any type of pride to build up in me or anything like that, you know. And and stuff like that can happen, you know. Uh, and so I was still young at the time. I still considered myself to be a young believer, so still growing and through that discipleship process. But so we came back and we shared with the church that we feel like God is calling us. And so in 2013, my wife and I went back over. We left our son back here. And because God needed her to see what 
I had seen. And so there, while we were there in 2013, it was just her and I. There was nobody else there except for us when it comes to other Americans that came over. No big teams. It was just her and I. And, and through that two-week trip, God really confirmed, uh, confirmed to her. I knew. I was just waiting for God to show it to her, right? And uh, But God did. And through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, God made it clear to her that this is where we were supposed to be. So in 2014, I went back over. But I did not go back over to find out if we were going. I went back over to... to to find out where because we knew we were going we weren't for sure where and I remember in 2013 I was with a, a national and actually an Ethiopian that was living in Zambia as a missionary and he's still there and I said you know I know God has called me but I don't know what he wants me to do and he said you know what when, when, when God gets you to where he wants you to go he'll show you what he wants you to do yeah. and, and that is true at the same time we have to have a plan you, you can't go into a, a battlefield without a plan But you have to go into the battlefield with a plan, but with the willingness to adjust as the Holy Spirit has you adjust. And there's a verse in Proverbs 19.6 that says, As a man's heart deviseth his way, the Lord directeth his steps. So we were, like for example, we were going Central America. Our heart divides our way. It was admirable. It was biblical. And there's no reason why we should not have thought that we weren't going that direction, that God wasn't leading that. So he was, as our heart divides our way, the Lord directed our steps 8,000 miles the opposite direction, right? Which we weren't expecting. So Tammy had already gotten her. She, I can't say I got her to the place, but she was already to the place to where she was saying, okay, we'd go to Central America. But then all of a sudden I said, now we're going to Africa. And she's like, okay, Africa. She was very silent. She didn't say much right after that. It took some processing, right? And so anyway, so in 14, I went back over. And it was between the country of Lusaka. And it was, uh, let's see, what do I have here? So this is, you see the country of Zambia here. And right about, right below the E right there, that's where Lusaka is. I don't have it on here, but Lusaka is the capital. It has about 2 million people in it or so, and it was built for 200,000. So you can imagine the congestion. Uh, It's just a very difficult place to live. But we were praying about there or up here in the Copper Belt where you see that little, that little, that's one of the provinces. And I'll I'll show you that that's called Kafulafuta within that province. This is where we would stay at for the weeks that we were there. Kafulafuta Bible Baptist Mission. Kafulafuta. Yeah, it's, what do you? Oh, I'm sorry. Kafula Fu- I speak fast, I know. Kafula Futa Bible Baptist Mission is the name of the mission station. And this is the same mission station that Bobby Bonner started 30 years ago. Okay? And so it was between these two countries, or I'm sorry, these two, this place, either Kafula Futa or Lusaka. And while I was there in, uh, in 2014, God laid upon my heart and he showed me through scripture and Proverbs that it was supposed to be Kafulafuta. So in Proverbs chapter, uh, let's see, it was a 14.4. 
This is the verse that he used to just really show me this is the direction we needed to go. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. It says, Where, there, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the oxen. And the reason I believe God gave me that verse was because John Sarah was working there by himself as a missionary for 20-something years. And he was wore out. He was tired. His, he has hepatitis C. He had cancer. He just His body was breaking out. Bobby was back here. So he was by himself trying to run this. And the plural form of that is oxen, too, more than that, you know. And so I believe God was saying I needed to come alongside him as another ox to help burden through this ministry with him. And, um, yes. Is this the same place that Randy and Julie are Yes, mm-hmm. exact same. And I'll show you, actually. And most of our people know Randy and Julie right Foster. There. Absolutely. So they were there for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. At this exact mission station right here. Yeah, and and so that's where we live right there. Uh, where Randy and Julie live is the house right below that. Okay, the house right below. So you see the four houses and and it kind of and you see the 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 wall that's going all the way around. Right. I would point, but this actually doesn't work on a doesn't work on a yeah it goes away but oh the laser pointer won't work yeah see if i have it here but if once you point it on the screen it doesn't work on the screen yeah down there in the corner there oh yeah right here okay yeah this will work what's the wall for the wall protection the lions? Uh, no, not lions. Just to protect from people, honestly. We don't really have any problems, but if you go into town, and when you go into towns, even people have blo- um, um, walls around their homes and stuff. Just fencing for in your yard. Yeah, it's pretty much fencing in the yard, yeah. Is this so we have. South America or no? No, this is. I mean, uh, Africa? No, uh, this is uh, Zambia. South Africa oh. is an actual country of its own. It's the, the, the horse's nose on the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have lions down there? Uh, the last lion in the copper belt. Here, let me show you here. So this right here is South Africa. Right here. This is the country of South Africa. And then this here is uh, Botswana. Right here. This is Mo- Mozambique, I think. No, that's Mozambique. This is this is Botswana. So this is Zambia, right? And so uh, the copper belt, there's like 10 different provinces. This is one province in the copper belt, or in Zambia, called the copper belt. And then Kafula Futa is within the copper belt. And then this is the mission station. And your question about lions, uh, let me go back here. Let me just show you. The last lion that was seen here was in 1974. The lions are, there's lions all in this area here, and there's lions up in this area here. What happened was, was uh, anytime you have people come in, they like to push habitats and animals out of their own natural habitat, I should say. So what they did was to protect the animals, they have big uh, national parks here and a big national park here. And people, absolutely. Yeah, I actually drove through this one here, saw some zebra and stuff, didn't see any lions. Um, I have some friends who live in these national parks up here. They're, they actually people live in them. Um, they're bush people out in the um, um, mud huts and grass roofs. <laughs> so they, they allow people to live in the national parks. What's the most dangerous thing you live with? 
What do I live? Oh, snakes. <laughs> snakes. Yeah, but but now we don't. We don't. Now a lot of people think that we we jump snakes every day, and we're you know, and all, we don't. But I could say I could, I've seen on two hands how many snakes since we've been there. But the snakes that we have seen are venomous. I've we've killed cobra. We've killed uh, uh, black mambas. We've killed green mambas. We've killed puff adders. Uh, right before we left, my son killed a puff adder. Tammy got upset with me because I was letting them kill it, you know. But uh, puff adders are very, very, very slow snakes. So it's like I was sitting there one day like this talking to a friend. I look and one was right underneath my legs. And so I just stood up and walked over and got a, a barbell from working out and just crushed its head, you know. Now, if that was a cobra, I probably wouldn't have been as... But it's 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 as venomous, but if you know your snakes, puff adders are very slow. And uh, they strike fast, but they're very slow moving, so... Can you go back to your house and tell us about Sure, absolutely. Day? We'd love to. So this here is actually only part of our property. This is, you can see the wall going all the way around. These are four houses right here. This is our house. Pastor Alex and his wife, uh, Crystal, live here. This is where Randy Foster lived, okay? And John Sarah lived here before he just recently moved off. John Sarah's wife passed away in 2017. Mm -hmm. And uh, while before she passed away, they were building a retirement home down the road in a village area and um, and so the house was even a quarter built when she passed but he just recently finished it and now he shifted down there he's moved down there and I say shifted that's the terms they use rather than move and stuff so sometimes I might use some terms that they use but they shifted down so this right here is a, just our, our garage this is an office for the ministry um, and uh, these this right here is an older picture this is uh, uh, containers right here Actually, now we've moved these containers and we have a warehouse here. And this is the beginning of our North Star Bible Institute. This is a this is a dorm for the students, and this is a building where they're taught. This up here is our chicken house, and this is what we have. These are just two warehouses here, and this top one is a grinding mill. So the the nat the national um, staple food is what they call. Uh, in Shima. And Shima is made from maize, which is corn, and they grind into a very fine powder called mealy meal. So it goes from maize to mealy meal, then when they cook it, it becomes what they call enshima. And so we, we offer a service here where people will bring their maize in so they don't have to go to town so they can grind it. And it's very, it's like uh, five kwacha for one gallon, which is like 50 cents per gallon they can they can. Uh, Was that like a tomatilla or a... Mexican food that's wrapped in the cornhouse? No, this is actually kind of like the best way to describe it. It was like be like grits, but it's moldable and shapeable. So they, they put them in uh, lumps, and they're about this big. And so what you do is you peel it off, and you mold and shape it into whatever form you would like it. Some people like them long. Some people like them small. And then what they do is they put maybe like a thumbprint in it that becomes like a, a spoon, and they'll dip it into their relish, which relish the there is chicken, meats, uh, uh, greens, tomato, anything like that is called a relish, right? So they'll dip it into their relish or they'll eat it like that. And that's their staple food. They will not go really um, without eating that with every meal, okay? So they eat it with every meal. So, How far do you walk off your property? 
Oh, we, well, I can tell you about, oh, this direction, about a mile down is the Kafubu River, and about a mile and a half this way is the Kafulufuta River, and I, I don't have a big enough picture, but right here, let's see, right about there is the Kafulufuta River. Uh, and I'll show you some other, I might be able to show you some other pictures, but Kafulafuta Bible Baptist Church over here in this area is the, what we call Tabernacle, where we have big conferences and stuff like that. But we can, but from here to the main tarmac where you get to the cities is about 10, about 8 miles. To you drive? Yeah, we have, yeah, the vehicles. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have vehicles or bicycles. Um, Zambians, their, their main, mode of transportation is walking and then bicycles and then taxis and buses and then you would have personal vehicles. Do you like it? What? Do you like where you live? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So. What about schools? Schools. For your kids. For well, no, just regular elementary. Yeah, they have, like, actually, let me go back here. I can't show it to you, but over here is actually a, a government-ran secondary boarding school. It's not ran by us. It's ran by the government, and kids come from all over the country in order to go to school here, but it is boarding, and so you'll have all different uh, uh, all different tribes because this is a tribal nation. Yeah. Uh, you have different tribes coming here, different religious backgrounds, uh, all right here and we have the opportunity to go there on a weekly basis in order to be able to share the gospel with them. Actually the, the principal, it's interesting, the principal to this school is Jehovah's Witness. But he come over, preach the gospel. So that tells me he doesn't really even know his own religion. He just it's a very, if I'm going to use this term but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a very, very spiritual uh, uh, country. Christianity is in 1996 they put within their constitution that it is a Christian nation but then you have to define what Christianity is right Um, so not just because they're a Christian nation does not mean that everyone's saved doesn't mean everybody believes in the true living God there's a lot of other denominations there uh, Islam JWs uh, Mormons then there's also uh, the traditional uh, type of witchcraft is still all prevalent there um, and all that is there all that type of religion is there and so we weed through that just with the truth and it's not easy because you're you're giving the truth to people and then they're trying to take all this culture and tradition and mix it with the truth and even God says he's not going to take a back seat to that you know so yeah yeah sorry sorry is it true uh, that the the military there, they all carry a, uh, a Bible, like a King James Bible now? Uh, I don't. I can't say that all do in Zambia, uh, well, or just in Africa. Uh, um, no, but we have the freedom and the. I wouldn't say everybody carries one, because uh, you know. But you are going to find a lot of military and police that are Christians, and we have the opportunity to go in and minister to the police, to the pri- excuse me, police prisons and and the military. We have those opportunities, um, but. 
I couldn't answer that about everybody caring. I've not heard that before. Nice. But we've handed out a lot to them. Yeah, they're issued. Yeah, I've not heard that. And it might be like that in other countries. But I, I don't think it's like that in um, in Zambia. I've not heard of that. Yeah, we so. give them, like, all the time. You know, every time we see them. Yeah. We have Bibles. Handing out Bibles all the time to them, you know. So they're very appreciative of that. So. What's your doctor situation? Doctors? Like, yeah. Well, like which doctor actually got? Uh, no, and that's a that's a great question because both are there. Um, a lot of people, when they think of Africa, they think of mostly bush, right? Out in the bush, they think of. Honestly, a lot of people think people running around without clothes on and having bones in the nose, and that's what people think of because that's the what when you open up National Geographic, that's what you see, right? Well, it's not like that, a hundred percent. I mean, even in Zambia, you go to some of the cities, um, even like. I would say like in Honduras and and, and in El Salvador. When you go into the city, honestly, I tell people I say that have been to El Salvador but have not been to some of the cities in Africa, I tell them, okay, picture El Salvador but with a different people group. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same infrastructure. It's the same type of buildings and stuff like that. And it's the same, uh, if you would, third world type of, of, of uh, growth process, if you want to put it that way. You know, with the, the cinder blocks with the glass on top, you know, around the wall to keep people out. You see more more, you see a lot of that in the cities, right? But but it's still very modern cities. I mean, they have some some uh, 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 malls over there that are better than our malls. You see what I'm saying? I mean, they're growing. They are developing. Movie theaters. Have movie theaters, all that. But then here you might have a really nice, nice building right up against a, a very poor building, right? So, so when it comes to hospitals and stuff like that, we have actually we found a place in a town in a city called Kitwe, which is the second largest city in the country. But it's it's South African ran, and we that's where we we get our medical treatment from. When you go to their normal everyday bush or small town hospitals, they're very, very poor. Uh, They're very, very needy when it comes to uh, any type of supplies, and it's very difficult. Uh, You know, we have people dying over there all the time from malaria. Malaria is huge. One of the worst days of my life over there was having to take a 16-year-old boy that had passed away from malaria and drive him to the clinic and have to be right there to call him. That I had to tell the nurse yeah, don't do that because he's gone, right? Um, and so, uh, but the, but malaria is 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 uh, everybody has malaria over there. We have not got it yet, praise the Lord. But um, but anyway, so I can tell you that, like for example, um, had a guy come to me and he had a broken arm, right? So I took him to the hospital to have an x-ray. X-rays here are what? About $400 maybe? 500 300 So his his x-ray was $1.50. That was it. $1.50. But here's the thing though. I, even though I took him to the hospital to get the x-ray, I then paid $1.50 for that for him. And then we had to go to the pharmacy to pick up all the items needed to be able to put a cast on him because the hospital didn't have the supplies. You see. So that's kind of what you deal with when it comes to the hospital. But also when it comes to witchcraft and witch doctors, those are very prevalent too. They've changed their name 
from witch doctor to traditional doctor. But you'll be in town and you'll see these banners up that say come and doctor, traditional doctor so-and-so. They're witch doctors. And it's it's that that traditional cultural type of uh, evil, honestly, is what it is. And uh, they're still infiltrated within the people. They're still infiltrated within the societies. And, uh, you know, you have even Christians who sometimes compromise and go because it's so embedded within them from the time they were born growing up that they need to go to the witch doctor. Are they yeah. like psychics, sort of, or something? Huh? Are they like psychics? No, they're not psychics. They're just... There are... Uh, I can say this. There are some witch doctors who are real witch doctors. I mean, they are being empowered by the adversary, the devil. But then most of them, I would honestly say, are playing on the feeble-minded. You know what I'm saying? They're telling the people what they want to hear. They've learned how to... uh, They've learned manipulate people. Yeah. But there are some real out there that, uh, you know, and and when it comes to that, I don't even... You know, if they face-to-face, I can tell you... I could tell you some stories about... I have heard, but I've never seen anything myself over there when it comes to demon possession. When it comes, I've seen witch doctors, but I haven't seen anything out of the ordinary. I can tell you there are some missionaries that have. You know, real quick story. I was really neat. Um, we've been t- we, we took discipleship to uh, to all of our churches that we minister alongside with, and we taught discipleship, and we're still encouraging through discipleship. And right down the road, there was a, a guy named Lamech, and he had a witch doctor come to him, and he started talking to the witch doctor about discipleship. And he starts explaining to him lesson one, you know, the two natures, right? And so this this uh, witch doctor says, where did you learn this from? And he said, well, my dad, his dad's a pastor. He goes, my dad taught it to me. He's like, where can I find your dad? So he sent him to his dad, and his dad ended up leading the Lord and started discipling him. So I haven't heard how far along he's made it, but he gave his life to Christ, you know. So we see... We hear of things like that quite a bit that happen over there. So, so anyway, that's kind of where we, what takes place with the doctors. Yes, that's there. It's still prevalent. It's still huge. But at the same time, where we're at, I really believe the truth of the Word of God has pushed a lot of that out of the area. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you? Oh, you're welcome. So, real quick, I know we only got about 15 minutes. Uh, these were our priorities when we went over. And I'm going to make this quick because some of you guys might remember, some of you may not. This was the plan that we had built. Uh, strength and edify the leadership of previously established works. Uh, Bobby Bonner, John Sarah over there, they started many churches. But because of their both sicknesses, they were not able to get out to a lot of those churches. So a lot of those churches felt like they were left behind, forgotten about. So one of our goals was to go around and just to strengthen and edify. And from the moment we got on the field, that's what we started doing. We started going from church to church every weekend to be able to share the Word of God, to teach and to encourage, right? So we've done that from the time we got on the field and we continue to do that all the way till the time we left. Then our other priorities was to create and sustain training centers for church planting and evangelize and disciple people in those areas of those training centers. Well, the evangelism and discipleship we have continued on. That never stops or never should stop. But the training centers, God redirected us and he has not allowed us to do that yet. That was the one that God said, no, you're not going to do that now. And the reason being is because I really believe he started showing me other areas of work that needed our efforts, that needed more of an investment in. 
And so my whole goal when I got there, I was going to be a spoke in the wheel. I was just going to get involved and be behind John Sarah and just minister how God would lead with this plan. Well, when I got there, God changed that whole thing. Remember, um, as a man's heart deviseth his way, the Lord directeth his steps. Well, God redirected. And about two months after we got there, um, the board of GCMS, and let me, I'll explain it. There's an organization that we're under there called God's Christian Missionary Service. To be a religious organization within the country you have to or a religious affiliation you have to be within an organization within the country right by law you have to be under a mother body well in 1995, I think it was 94, when Bobby started this, we, we became our own mother body, God's Christian Missionary Service. Kafula Futa Bible Baptist Mission is headquarters to GCMS, right? And then I'm going to add one more piece to you. On the property at Kafula Futa Bible Baptist Mission is North Star Bible Institute. <laughs> so there's three entities there, but they're all together. So you got GCMS, God's Christian Missionary Service, that that's the organization that we're under. Then you have Kafulu Futu Bible Baptist Mission. That's headquarters to GCMS throughout for all of Zambia. And then we have the Bible Institute that's also on that property. And so once once we got there, about two months after, um, the board came to me and said, Hey, we want you to take the bull by the horns. We want you to lead us. We want you to help lead us and take us and uh, to, to the direction God would have us to go. So they asked me to become the head missionary and they asked me to become director of ministries. Head missionary, and the easiest way to break those two down to you is head missionary is oversees all the physical part of the ministry of GCMS where director of ministry oversees all the spiritual side of GCMS. And we don't have time to get into all the implications of that, but I didn't know what I was getting into till I said yes. But I said yes only because I really felt like that's what the Lord was asking me to do. He wanted me to do. I wasn't looking for it. That's something else. I was like, I didn't want that position. I didn't want him. But I know that after prayer, I have no doubt God led us there. And he started giving me a vision for the ministry. And so with that, uh, I'm going to go through this really quickly. These are some of the ministries that we're involved in. That, And now as director of ministries, my role is to look at each ministry within the organization and to help that ministry grow. So these are just the ministries that we have. So this is North Star Bible Institute. I'm the president of the Bible Institute itself. Uh, Pastor Alex Chippy is the dean of the Bible Institute. And they actually just started another term. Right now we have about, I believe, eight to ten students right here. So this is our chapel. These are our Bible. These are the buildings for the Bible Institute. Okay, this here, this is just kind of a funny picture. Do you remember this one? Okay, so these are two deaf students, right? We have a deaf ministry throughout Zambia. And actually, these two students were part of the Bible Institute. They're not right now because God has moved them to different areas. But... Now, there's a reason why I have this picture, right? This guy here's name is Mike. This guy here name's Tyson. So do you get Mike Tyson? He's pretending to bite his ear. Yeah. So <laughs> Mike Tyson, yeah. So he's pretending to bite his ear, you know, like that. And so I had to explain to them, why do you want? They're like, why do you want me to pretend like I'm biting? I was like, I had to explain to them why. And they, so these are two. He's going to be pastor. He's he's training to be a pastor of a deaf church, but. 
We have a deaf ministry, and actually, Wingston Chitambala, he is a director of works at Kafulafuta. He oversees all the deaf ministry throughout Zambia. And he can hear, but he has a heart for the deaf. This here is, um, we have also, we have pastor's training, where men who can't come to the Bible Institute, they come once a month to Kafulafuta to learn the Bible. These are men who don't know English, who learn through their indigenous language. And so what we teach them here, then they go back to the village, they teach, and then when God leads them to be ordained, then they are ordained ministers. And But these are pastors of churches in the bush. So pastors training, we have that taking place at Kafulafuta. This is the women's ministry here. You can kind of see Tammy sticking out right there. So there's a large women's ministry. Uh, uh, they get together a couple times a year. Each district has the time they get together. But once or twice a year, they'll have women's leadership course, women's leadership, um, and they'll come out to Kafulafuta and have a, a teaching at that time. This here, these are called uh, Buckets for Moms. Uh, we run a ministry called Mushili Health Clinic. And it was started by Bobby and John. It's at the tarmac about eight eight miles away and it is a clinic that is we work together with the government and it's where people can come to get their health care the best health care they could possibly get which sometimes is mediocre but the women here they have a maternity ward and the women have to bring all the supplies themselves in order to be able to have their children. So what Tammy has done is she started what she calls Buckets for Moms. And this, these are uh, wash basins for the children. And they're filled with everything a mom would need when it comes to giving birth. It, it costs about for a mom to give birth at a clinic. Uh, they don't charge them to be there. But for all the supplies, it's about, I think about 500 to 700 kwacha, isn't it? Yeah, about, 50 about 50 to $60 is what it costs them. And that's very expensive for bush moms and so Tammy puts all this together for them so this is a, a, a great gift to the community um, this is a mission team when we went up to Mongu so we're very heavily into missions I'll explain that here in a second this is I'll show you more pictures of this too back here is what you call a kiln they made these bricks out of termite heels and then they stack them and they fill all of this up with uh, charcoal they light it on fire uh, and it burns the bricks and these bricks here were used by these men to build a youth building called side by side we have uh, and I'll show you more of that here in a second this is a small picture of what it's like at a VBS maybe one day you guys can come over in a, in an August conference. We have about 2,500 to 3,000 children. 2,500 to 3,000 adults come and we minister. That's Pastor Bo Green right there. Mm. His team came over in August of last year and just did a wonderful job. And he's right in the middle just ministering to these kids. This is the night that we have what we call uh, throw out the casting the nets. And uh, this was a Tuesday night um, when we asked all the kids to come up if they would like to receive Christ. And God knows who, who, who gets saved and who doesn't. Um, you know, once the kids start coming, they all come. But it's really a, a sweet time and to be able to minister to the kids. Yeah. English? Can both communicate in English? No. Uh, some can. Some can. Anytime we have teams come over, we have interpreters. Yeah. When you get into the cities like Kitwe and Ndola, Luancha, mostly everybody can speak English because their national language is English. 
But uh, and the reason why they chose English was because if they chose one of the indigenous tribal languages, it would have caused a tribal war. So they said let's. They were colonized by the British. So once the British left in '64, they said, "Well, let's just keep it English." And in doing so, do you preach in? I no, I preach in English, and then I have an interpreter that goes with me. Uh, There's only been one church. And that was in Andola that I was able to preach at where everybody spoke perfect English. When I say perfect, understood English. So I didn't have to have an interpreter. So we're involved in discipleship. Uh, we have a, what we call a restoration ministry. A restoration ministry is we ha- there's some men who have uh, that are pastor level. They're not pastoring churches. That and God laid upon our heart. What in, in the end of 2017, I recognize that a lot of our churches that we are affiliated with are very unhealthy spiritually. So we started this ministry. So what these men do is God laid on their heart a certain church. They go into the church, help bring them back to a place of health, train up. A pastor and then turn it over and then go to another church. So this is our restoration ministry. That's actually Dr. John Sarah right there. He's a missionary that's been there for 23 years. Here's Bo Green also at the preaching at the VBS. Actually, this is at the Bible conference because right after the VBS is over on Wednesday, the kids go home and all the adults come in and then he was preaching at the adult Bible conference. So we ha- we are very involved in discipleship. We've had our lessons uh, translated in about three or four different languages: Lamba, Bemba, Nyanja. Would you say it's similar to our discipleship? Oh yeah, we we took the. I, now I I think we're all on the same page. I know a few years back our church did some changing in the lessons, but they're really the same. But they are. We have 16 lessons that we use that, and they've been translated into Limba or Limba, Lamba, Bemba, Nyanja actually been translated into some Angolan languages too because we have a, a guy who feels like God is calling him a national missionary who feels like God is calling him to Angola so he's translated these lessons over into that language I can't remember the language so these are some guys who are involved in the discipleship so when it comes to self-sustaining mission stations this is something that God has laid upon my heart too this is also we're working towards um, we have a handful of mission stations and the and the goal is to train up men to be the head missionary over this area within these provinces and their role is to help train up and to plant churches within the provinces so this one here is at Syringi uh, in Central Province, uh, Gifkapika is the missionary. This one here is in Munilunga. We have 18 fish ponds. They're not active right now, uh, but we're trying to get them to that place. And this is actually a Bible institute in Munilunga. This is in Mongu, out west. And this man, he's been, his name's Kennedy Mutungulu. He's been there for about eight years, uh, just plowing this field all by himself. He's planted about three or four churches. And uh, we're really trying to partner with him to help him to be to grow in that area. So this is Zambia. This is the 10 provinces, western, northwestern, central, southern, copper belt where we live. You have eastern, Muchinga, northern, and Luapula. Now, our goal is to get a national-ran self-sustaining mission station 
national ran by a missionary, a Zambian missionary, to go into each province, start a mission station, and then start training up and planting churches. And the thought process is, I can't be everywhere, but what we can do is we can bring each one of these leaders in, train them up that year, and then send them out, and then they can go back out to the churches to teach them. Now, you guys know the Jellowicks. They're over here in this area, right there in eastern, right there. I'm not at Chapada. I think it's right there is where Chapada is or a little bit off, but very close to Malawi. So that's something right now. So right now we have our mission station here. We have a mission station up here in northwest. This is where uh, Munilunga is. We have a mission station here, which is Mongu. We have a mission station here, which is in Syringi, right? Uh, and then we have, we don't have a mission station, but we do have a missionary in Lusaka province. The rest of these uh, areas, we have men who are uh, plowing the field, but we don't have any mission stations established. So what we did was when we went into Central, and I'll show you again, Central's right here, the thought process is this. What we'll do is in, instead, the whole goal is to be self-sustaining. So we go in, we, the first thing we did was we built a chicken house and started raising chickens. And we built a caretaker's house who could take care of the chickens. So we could start selling them in the towns and start generating funds. Then we went and started building a church, which you can't hardly see, but that's the church, Harvest Bible Baptist Church, all the way back here. And so... Uh, so with that, um, so now Gif Kapika lives close over here, and he ministers here, and he's really plowing the field hard in order to uh, take care of the mission field and, and to train people up. We work very close together. He's, he was my right-hand man. It was very hard to let him go. He was my interpreter. Man, he, had, he was a children's director for a long time, so our hearts were knit immediately. So, um, so real quick, I know we're running out of time. How can you get involved? I just keep that up there. You guys pray for us. That's all. We, you know, if God lays on your heart anything else, these are just different ways that you can be involved. We have many churches who don't have roofs. And uh, so please, if God would lay upon your heart or something to help, uh, they'll, they'll get together, burn the bricks, and as a church body, raise the money for this. But they can't really afford. It costs anywhere from $500 to $1,500 just to put a roof on. And prices are going up. So this is one area we try to help out as much as we can. Uh, buckets for moms, um, Mashili Health Clinic, uh, the missionaries. There's another one. I know we're at 10:15, but there's something else I just really want to say. And Tammy, you might be able to explain it better because this is this is going to sound weird. And I shared this with you guys when we at Harvest. This is going to sound weird coming from a guy, but we're all adults here and we know what life is about, right? Well. It's hard for us to understand this, but girls over in Zambia, they'll miss one week a month from school because of their menstrual cycle. It's just because they don't have a way to to deal with it. They just don't have the materials. They don't have the funds. They don't have it. And so there's a ministry up in... Uh, up in Mammoth, in that area, that connected with Tammy, and they actually make uh, what are they called? 
Do you remember what they're called? I mean, what would be the, the sanitary pads? They're sanitary pads that are made by these ladies, and they send them over in suitcases, and they're washable and clean, and they're able to clean them. So that way, they hand them out to these girls, and now they don't have to miss school. And actually, Tammy and Crystal went into a, a, a school, and all they had was about 50 of them. And it was the neatest thing because it, 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 it goes on beyond that point because the, the teacher picked out 50 girls who were mostly in need. So Tammy and Crystal had the opportunity to go in there, share with them this product and give it to them. But most importantly, it was a platform to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of these girls raised their hand to receive Christ as their Savior. So that's an, that's something that you can talk with Tammy more about. Huh? Yeah, what's even it? one of the teachers. Yeah, even one of the teachers accepted Christ. So that's a very, you know, uh, have you met um, the Vances yet? Okay, you might meet them. I don't know if they'll be here one day. Um, Sean and Jerry Vance from Decatur, they are in um, Kenya, Kenya, and they actually started this type of ministry to help the girls. So just another thing. So this is uh, um, just something else that you can pray about. This is a missionary... uh, he is just recently Sidney Masao. He just recently moved to Munilunga. This is uh, the guy who feels like God is calling him to uh, to Angola, and I, um, Dixon Satome is his name. Uh, that's Gift Kapika and his family. He's a missionary in Serenji. This is Kennedy Mutungulu. He's a missionary to Mongu. We also have prison ministry and police ministry. I know we're running out of time here, uh, but we go in on a weekly basis to mi- to minister to the to the prisons and be able to preach to them. And we gave them Bibles right before we left. And this is side by side. When we get back, we're going to be investing into the youth very heavily. Uh, in August, we're going to have a youth conference. And this building is going to be a huge part of that. So, anyway, um, that, well, we'll close right there. Or I mean, with with this here, I know we're running late, and I'm sorry about that. Is there any other questions you guys have? Is there anything you'd like to... Uh, please pray for my wife, and I will end with this. Tammy had a series of strokes uh, the end of December, middle of December. And uh, she had three strokes, and she actually, they found that she had many more in the past. So God has kind of put us on a halt in some areas. Uh, we don't have every... All the plan that I had laid out all the way is now... Fuzzy. We don't we don't know exactly what direction God has taken us. So please pray for her. I do know that probably in May I'll be going back. Uh, but other than that, we don't know what it looks like after that. So thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to share with you guys. Amen. Oh yeah. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Here I'll pull this out here. All right.